Welcome, welcome to Boss Barista. Why do we even have intro music if you can sing like that, Jasper? (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? I am Jasper Wild, and I'm Ashley Rodriguez, and you're listening to an episode of Boss Barista. Yay! Thanks for coming back again and again. We have so much to thank you for. Thank you for writing to us. Thank you for following us on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram is Boss Barista Podcast. Twitter is Boss underscore Barista. Mm -hmm. And then the Gmail is bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com all these things you're doing and it's great it's making us feel so good thank you so much Jasper gets really excited when she sees that people are Instagramming that they're listening to Boss Barista that they put it in their stories that people send us messages on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook oh that's what I have to do today I have to make sure to make us a Facebook profile because I started one and I never finished that would so, be cool. We might be on Facebook by the time you listen to this. That would be awesome. That we could share great. events that aren't necessarily in our area. Mm-hmm. And we could be like, hey, yo, all you guys out in Atlanta, this is happening. Or wherever. Yeah, so if you wanted to share an event that you're doing, we can also shout it out on this podcast. Yeah. Um, this event already happened. This actually happened while we were recording last time. But there was a panel in Somerville, Massachusetts about being behind the bar. And it featured a lot of really awesome ladies um, of all different backgrounds and job descriptions, just talking about the different things that happened to them behind the bar. Um, so shout out to the team who organized that. Uh, we're going to hopefully get to stream it. I think it was live streamed, but I don't know if that meant it was recorded. Oh. So I don't know if we can watch it now, but we should definitely watch that. You should watch it if you can. Yeah. Um, so if you have another event that is highlighting anything in coffee, let us know and we'll, we'll, we'll send some love and maybe even put it on our soon-to-be Facebook page. Yay. Cool. What are we talking about today, Jasper? So today I want us to unpack... Customer service, um, what it's like to be behind the bar when you look different or just like not your normal barista with a handlebar mustache and a fixie bike outside or um, and how emotional labor plays into that, who is normally giving more emotional labor and about how this affects your tips. Oh my gosh, tips. I think about tips all the time it really factors into i mean tips i just told this to someone the other day and he was like what that's what it stands for to ensure prompt service or to ensure promptness tip Mm -hmm. that's what it means um so the idea that you pay someone to get good service right um and if in the like restaurant industry, that's kind of been moved to the end of it. So you like have to work at it and then the person pays you. But in coffee, we have it usually often the other way. You pay first usually and then you get your coffee. So the tip often can come right away. 
Um, have you ever had it happen where people will tip you only at the very end of their time in the cafe? Yeah. That you, doesn't bother me. No, that doesn't bother me at all. But because I don't expect it and they didn't tip when I did like their initial interaction. Mm-hmm. That's one where I'm like, oh, man, you didn't tip. Bummer. But then I see them tip later and I'm like, oh, OK, you're fine. <laughs> so it's really confusing sometimes because there is this expectation in coffee that you tip when you pay. Yeah. And you pretty much pay before you get your drink. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting about tipping in coffee, too, is that there really is. It seems like there is no like quality standards at all. Yeah. Like I'm not going to get tipped for how good or bad a drink is. Like I can make the best latte I've ever made in my whole life and someone won't tip for it or they won't be like moved to tip based on how good it is. Hmm. I think people do tip for like really exceptional instances of service. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, so this happened yesterday to me. Um, I made a shot of espresso for somebody and he paid for it and he paid an exact change, which is fine. Um, And then he spilled his espresso and he was going to try to pay for another one. I was like, oh, no, like you didn't get to drink yours. Like, yeah, here's another one. And then he tipped or same thing. Anytime someone spills something, (laughs) pretty much that happens. So this woman had no lay. I don't remember if she tipped or not. She was very pleasant, though. And we saw her spill her Olay outside and she didn't even come in to try to get another one. But we saw it and we like came out and got and brought her another one. Um, that lady did leave us a nice Yelp review, which was nice. Aww. It was, it was nice that she thought, Oh, let me, let me like mark on this later. Um, but she then also tipped afterwards too, because of that. Very uh, sweet. So I was reading this article. I don't know if it was in the New York times or the Atlantic, but it was talking about the history of tipping and how it's super gendered and super racist. Um, mm-hmm. because it tends to, it comes from, I don't, I, I have to reread the article, but it seems, but my understanding of it is that it comes from certain jobs that are generally considered, generally like weren't paid or were kind of like paid a lot less. And that was like the justification behind them. Yeah. It was like the, the price that they were making for their hourly wages were lower than the minimum the national minimum requirement. Is that what you're talking about? I'm not 100% sure. Um, This actually might be a good moment for us to look that up. I don't think that tips should be eliminated because I think for me, tipping is based on the emotional labor that I'm giving to that person and that interaction and that like long-term relationship. So if I have a customer that doesn't tip, but I'm like, I'll work at them for a while, basically until they do break down and tip. So I'm looking at this article from the Washington Post, and it references a lot of other articles about tipping. And one of the articles they reference is this article in Slate. It's an op-ed. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from it because it's really interesting. It says studies have shown that tipping is not an effective incentive for performance in servers. So that's one, that's one thing there um, that it's not, it's not going to make a server better or worse, but to continue, it also creates an environment in which people of color, young people, old people, women, and foreigners tend to get worse service than white males in a tip based system. Non-white servers make less than their white peers for equal work. 
Consider also the power imbalance between tippers, who are typically male, and servers, 70% of whom are female, and consider the restaurant industry generates five times the average number of sexual harassment claims per worker, and that in many instances, employers have allegedly misused tip credits, which let owners pay servers less than minimum wage if tipping makes up that difference. There was a lot in that statement. Yeah. Um, So not only is tipping not an incentive for better service, which I would, I would maybe argue with that. Maybe in restaurants it isn't because I know for me, when I go to a restaurant, I'm going to tip the same amount pretty much Hmm. regardless. Like Mm -hmm. I'm almost always going to tip between 20 and 25%. Um, I don't really care how my service is. (laughs) I, I don't because I don't know what that person's life is like. Yeah. Like you could be having a bad day and that doesn't mean that you don't deserve to take home money. Right. Um, and it's not like I don't have that money to give. So that's something I think about too. If I am like really debating like how much I'm going to tip, I'm like, am I going to miss $2 or is this going to look, or is this going to make this person feel better seeing like a 25% tip versus like a 20% tip? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not going to miss $2. Right. I'm not going to miss $5, honestly. Yeah. Um, So I think about that. I don't know. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are that my, it's kind of like customer service, I feel like is a, a big, like a really big topic. And within that is like, how fast um, can you move through the line? Um, how quickly and promptly do you get your beverage? How dialed in are you behind the bar? Because if you're like trying to dial in your single origin real fast that someone has requested, like that's obviously not good service. But I think specifically the emotional labor, the the small talk and the attention to detail and the empathy that you like the ability that you have to engage with a customer and be like, Hey, what's up? How's it going? And to like truly wait for them to see what they need. And it might be like, Oh good. You know, like muted, like wants to keep it at the small talk level or kind of messed up. I just locked myself out of my apartment. Like then you're like, oh no, I'm so sorry. And like, you're meeting them where they are. And I think that is emotional labor. That's what I'm talking about. And I think that deserves a tip. But not everyone tips for emotional labor. You're right. You're right. Which is, which is hard for me to contend with because there are days where I feel like I, I give less emotionally to people because mm-hmm. I physically don't have as much. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like there are times where I can't not give emotional labor, no matter what this person is going to leave or not leave. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that I am empathetic and attentive to customers because I'm trying to get a tip out of them. I'm attentive and empathetic because I think that's part of your job. That's part of my job. And it also, honestly, it feels better for me. It feels better for me to be invested in what's going on with them. And I have like more, I feel like a more authentic human. I like myself better when I'm empathetic at all times. It's a lot of work, but here's like the the good part. So these interactions are short and they are, <laughs> they happen so like over and over and over and over and over again and day in and day out. And today this, this person came in and, and she was like, Hey Jasper, how's it going? And I was like, 
who is this person? Like, oh, I don't no. remember her, <laughs> but I'm sure that she was a customer that I was nice to who asked for my name and I probably met her name and I don't remember her name. And in fact, today her, her dog jump jumped up on the counter and um, it was just like slightly, slightly annoying. And she was like, Oh, Oh no. Can dogs be in here? I was like, um, if they're well behaved. And then once again, he jumped back up on the counter and it was kind of like, your dog's not well behaved. Maybe he shouldn't be in here. But I didn't say that. I was just like, oh, I'll try to be gracious and like let her keep her dog. And she was also so happy to see me. I kind of, um, it was sort of like a bank, right? Like I obviously was nice to her. I don't remember her now, but she came in and, and recognized me and felt welcome in that space because I was there. And even though her dog wasn't well behaved and I might've been a little put off, by her dog jumping on the counter. Um, I think it was enough for her to leave with like an overall positive experience. But if I hadn't, if I hadn't been um, so nice to her, if I hadn't had like deposited my emotional labor into her as a customer, then I don't know if today's event would have gone as successfully. Okay, I see what you're saying. But, okay, so this is my... This is my counter argument. Mm -hmm. So number one, did she tip? I don't know. Number two, I could argue that as a barista, truthfully, I don't care if that person comes back or not. Sure, it's part of my job to ensure that people have a good time, but looking incentive-wise mm -hmm. at her coming in or not coming in, if she doesn't tip, like that is a wash for a barista. Okay, yeah, but... You see what I'm saying? I'm not saying that that's right. I'm just totally. saying like that's something I think about a lot when I when I coach baristas on how to give customer service because mm -hmm. it has to be something... It has to be something that, that's for them. So it's, it's cool that you talk about like emotional labor and you feeling better at work by doing mm -hmm. certain things because when I... When your service is tied in with like people's reaction, it can be a little draining because people react poorly totally. all the time no matter what you do. yeah. And knowing, knowing that you're still doing a good job regardless of what people tell you mm -hmm. is really rewarding. So that's, yes. that's, that's yes. kind of how I have to approach customer service sometimes because um, it's incredibly draining. If I put an emotional labor to someone uh -huh. and they don't reciprocate. Do you feel like you give customer service that does not require your emotional labor? No, that's impossible. Okay, okay. I'm just saying that if I give you this like experience that I think is really great, or uh -huh. if I'm like trying to invest in you, uh -huh. and you react negatively, or you tell me something, or you write like a bad Yelp review, and like I know that that's you, or if I try to solve a problem and you wanna you wanna fight with me, which happens all the time, there are yeah. people who come into the cafe and just want to fight, then it can be easy to be like, well, I'm not going to do this anymore because mm -hmm. there's no incentive for me to, to ensure that you want to come back. Okay. I'm thinking about it like a little bit bigger picture. So as a barista, yes, obviously I'm there because I need money. <laughs> like that is my job. And tips are a big part of that. Tips are 40% of my income. It's something like that for us too. It's, it's huge. It's huge. Um, but Bigger than that, I want to know myself as a person who is like the the most like 
dignified and the most beautiful soul that I can be at all times. So me like providing understanding and empathy for people is not solely based in the tip or the financial reward. It's based in the like human sense. So you're right. Like I don't care if that woman in particular comes back, but I do care that she like leaves my presence and my cafe feeling better, like almost like in a vibrational way. I want to keep my cafe and my space like I'm always investing in people because I would rather put that energy out there even though it's draining because I believe that like attracts like and that when you like have that and when you're open and when you're like vulnerable with people and allowing them to be vulnerable it's like we've all been there. We've all worked like maybe we work, we work in big cities or small cities or towns where you'll see the same people. And I, it's so terribly awkward if I'm like short or kind of like shut down in the cafe. And then I see that same person at the grocery store or the gas station. Cause then they're like, Oh, Hey. And you're like, who are you? Or like, what is this person doing? <laughs> and instead it can just be like, I, I want to like form those connections and I want to like create pathways for opportunity. Like I think about all the very rich people that come into my store. I don't know what they're going to mean to me in another time or not even just wealth, just like people who have other skills or I've been given, I've been given like cards where it's like, Oh, go to this body worker when you're done with you, you know, when your wrist feels better because then they will like help you what physical therapy can't help you do or things like that. Right. No, I don't disagree with you at all. I think that that's true. I think when you think about customer service as kind of a like barista centered skill set of like, what am I putting out in the world and how, how is that like reverberating off of me? That's really hard though, to be that self tuned. If that makes sense. Yeah, it takes a lot of centering. Right. But I find that if I'm not centered, then I get blown around by customers who have a lot of energy who are pushy. Right. No, and I no. So I think everything that you're saying is true and everything you're saying is right. Um, And it's something that, I don't know. I think it's just, it seems to be separate from the tip argument for me because you act this way regardless. Like there's no, in this world, there's like really no tips. Like they're there and they sometimes exist, (laughs) but they're nice. But then again, it's still 40% of what you're making. But I think that because of my like openness, I think that that creates tips. I think that since I like feel this abundance within myself, like an abundance of patience or an abundance of uh, attention for people. And because there's no expectation with that, It's like, it's truly unconditional kindness. Right. You know, and I'm hoping to receive unconditional kindness back. And I think in the customer barista, part of a customer showing unconditional kindness to a barista is tipping, like, regardless of what's going on. Right. That's what. But again, then I would argue like tips are always the same. No, they're not. My, for me, they're not. Oh, I feel like every time I'm in the cafe, like their tips are pretty much the same across every barista, across 
every amount of money we make. So I'm what? really good. Oh, yeah. I make the same amount of money every week. Think about in all your experience, though. Oh, I mean, in different cafes, it's different for sure. Okay. Like when I worked at Variety, I made the most tip money I ever have in my whole life. Have you you noticed that like certain groups of people working behind the bar get higher or lower tips, though? Yes, but it's not from niceness. Really? No. Oh, God, no. You know what it is? For me, what I've noticed, and this is girls get more. No, it's uh, mixed gendered groups. Really? Yeah, like men and women working together. I've the hmm. people I make the most money with. Um, so there's all women at my cafe now, and I've noticed that tips are fine. Like they're they're good. Like in my cafe, they're great actually. We make a lot of money in tips because um, things are really streamlined. Part of it is because we're very like sh- not short staffed, but very leanly staffed. Oh, um, so there's only two people on the whole okay. day, and uh-huh. we'll do you know like almost ten percent of all of our sales will be in tips which is great. Um, maybe a little bit more when you factor in cash tips. But when I was working at the cafe with this guy, Trevor, who is um, one of the best people I've worked with behind the bar, I wouldn't say neither of us were like particularly friendly, not any more friendly than I am now. I would even argue that Trevor was a little unfriendly. Mm-hmm. And we made way more money in tips because I think there is like kind of this like sensation of a will they or won't they kind of thing that like exists anytime you see any group of like men and women in this like heteronormativity. Like will they or won't they fuck? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh <my> God, <laughs> please. I think that people, people are so drawn to that. Oh, that's so stupid isn't that crazy it's like a sitcom like if you go to a cafe (laughs) every day and you see like the same two people working like you want to know more about their lives and i think every time i've worked with a man behind the bar i make more money i've never heard that before oh i've heard that before for sure there's an episode of it's always sunny in philadelphia where they like kind of like exploit that um idea Cause they like try to, they go to like the, they get voted like the worst <laughs> bar. So they oh. go to the best bar oh. and it's this like really like sunny place. And everyone's so excited to be there. And one of the dynamics is these two bartenders where the girl is like, Oh, my terrible boyfriend. And the, there's a bartender who's like, I'm always here for you. And like, oh everyone's really into that dynamic. <laughs> and I totally think that that that's true. And that works. I guess I had not considered that. Oh, I, okay. So when I told you I'm obsessed with tipping, like I am obsessed. Like I think about combinations of people and how they work together and like putting people who like look different and have different personalities. So you can kind of identify with one or both. I think about like people are more likely to tip (laughs) if they feel included. So like, yeah. Yeah. So that's a big one. That's a big one one. for me. So if you're like, let's say you and I are working together and some, and we're having like this conversation yeah, and a customer walks in and them just feeling included in that conversation Uh is huge. You're right. Versus like, we continue having our conversation. We're nice and we do our job, but Mm -hmm. like we have this conversation kind of outside that person. Yeah. Um, that being said, too, I feel like there are interactions that That's I have. That's not a very empathetic way. No. To use customer service. No, I agree. You should include them because everyone wants to be included. Yeah. And I think that that's why the male-female dynamic for a lot of people, not for everyone, obviously, because, mm-hmm. again, that assumes a heteronormative. Super hetero. Yeah, it's a heteronormative assumption of how the world works. Mm-hmm. Um, is 
is a little like more interesting to some people because they are included automatically. It's almost kind like you're in this like by, bystander way though. Right? right. Exactly. In this bystander way, like you're watching these two people and like naturally you have two people who like, if you're straight, like there's two people that could or could not like do it. Are they going to? Who knows? That's fucked up. Isn't that crazy? This is, again, this is like very anecdotal. This okay. is just stuff that okay. I've noticed. Okay. And I've noticed every time <laughs> I've worked close to or around men, I get tipped more. Okay. I've noticed the opposite. <laughs> Tell me more. I've noticed that, well, a special case was when I was working in the Castro and most of the people who I was working with were gay men. And when I was the one girl around all the gay men, the tips were enormous. I don't think it was about me at all. It was about the men. Right. <laughs> and then <laughs> I could have been there or not. The tips probably would have been higher if it was a different attractive man. And you know what? They weren't even all gay. They were just all attractive or attractive to gay men. So, right. um, and then the closes that it was me and two other girls tips like tanked. Right, no, exactly. no flirtatious. So think about, think about what you just said. But though. then, like, but okay, but the customer, what you're talking about is the customer looking on to a sexual dynamic. And what I'm saying is I think the customer wants to be included. It, not always, but I think the tips when we're talking about like tips and um, why they tip more. I've noticed that they tip more girls. Like if it's all girls. And if the clientele is mostly men, which is what this article of the Washington Post did reference. Right. And I have noticed that. Like, I think, I think I probably have more male customers than female customers. Yeah, so Not do I. Not too much, but a little bit more. We have, like, noticeably be more, noticeably more men because we have the barbershop next to us. Oh, right. We have, like, a male barbershop. Right. We probably, it's probably, like, 60-40 for us. But I think the men tip more. Um, not more amount, but they are more likely to drop in money and women are less likely. But um, when, okay, so when I'm working with, the, the dynamic thing was interesting to me. So when I'm working with a person who, there was a barista that I knew, her name is Shannon. She just moved to Portland, very sad. She used to work at Ritual with me. And we would joke around that we were the alt girls. <laughs> So you would have your, we were like, she was like a little bit more punk and I like have like whimsical patterns on a lot <laughs> and like short, you know, hair and we like may or may not wear makeup, but we're like flippant and sassy and like we're having fun and we would get a lot of tips. And we had this whole idea that like, you know, they, the, the guys that would come in, they, they definitely weren't like trying to flirt with us but they were getting to interact with alt girls even when their world didn't have alt girls so we were like the one <laughs> radical <laughs> version of <laughs> that they have like ever seen or interact interacted with you, you know you do you remember that movie juno yeah <laughs> i'm thinking of like that interaction where she has that one guy who pretends to hate her but he actually like wants to fuck her because she's like the, she's the only alt girl he's ever known Okay, I haven't like, seen that movie in so long. There's like one, there's Juno, they're the Ellen Page character, yeah. and she makes like a comment about how there's this one guy who's like mean to her, but he like secretly gives her like fuck me eyes. And it's because like she's the most like <laughs> radical girl he's ever seen. 
And I'm thinking yes. of that. Yes, yes. So, but okay, for me on a busy Saturday morning, which is probably the the heaviest tip time, um, I have noticed I will like be on the bar or not on the bar. I will be on the ridge. And when I like, man, I like crank it up. If anyone has ever seen me MC a latte throwdown, it's like that, but running a line. <laughs> I'm okay. like, what's up? Hi. Da -da 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 -da. How's it going? And like, I, it's not a laid back, like, hey, what's up? How's your day? It's like a over the top because it's busy. There's loud music. I'm like, <laughs> kind of, kind of a little bit of a salesperson who I'm like, do you want some breakfast? Like, man, these chocolate croissants are, they're still warm inside <laughs> and people just like lose their shit and oh, they man. buy a lot of things and they tip a lot of things. And then they want to, even though I'm on the reg and it's not the best time to talk about coffee, they want to talk to me about coffee because I'm like stoked and I'm making them feel good. And I get tipped higher when I do that. And there also was my manager, Emily, who's like that all the time. She's like always turned up. That's her normal. So I have to turn it up, but she's just like on autopilot like that. And she she got a ton of tips. And then you have someone who's like doing their job and meeting the needs and saying all the right things. Would you like anything else? Would you like that for here to go? That'll be 475, but no extra like pizzazz and flair. And the tips are less. So I think... I think customers are responsive. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that 100% because I feel I feel like a lot of people are like me in that they're going to tip no matter what. Yes. So I yes. feel like, and also the places that I've worked where I got tips the most, I don't want to say they were the unfriendliest people because they're not unfriendly, but they were definitely like not amped. Like when I worked at Variety, no one was amped. Like no, none of us were like, oh my God, what are you going to get? Like that was not how yeah. we worked at Variety. But when I worked at Gregory's, which was my first coffee job, that was mm -hmm. like a, like, you know, kind of a game we would play with ourselves of like, how amped can you be? And that was like a character <laughs> for me. Like it's a little more unnatural to like kind of get out there and do yeah. that. So I have to kind of like characterize it and make like a caricature of it. Yeah. Of like, I'm so stoked to be here. And like, I kind of have to like work at it and <laughs> be a different person for a little while, which okay. is fine. Like that's another strategy that I think people can use because not everyone feels that naturally. So thinking mm -hmm. of ways to kind of fake it helps. And even at Gregory's, God, like we would make like maybe $40 a week in tips. Wait, that's like, it? That's it. Oh. Well, because we were in Midtown Manhattan. Oh. We had a lot of people on, but at the same time, we were making, I've never made more espresso drinks in my whole life. Mm -hmm. And it was just a different expectation hmm. of like, these are people who like wear hats or maybe have a uniform, for example. Um, like the same at Starbucks. Like you, even if you, you had a hat and a yeah, uniform? We, yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if you were talking about your customers. I'm like, who are these people? Who are those people? <laughs> no, I'm talking about me because I had like a hat and like a bow tie that I wore. Okay. Um, but then the minute I went to like another coffee shop, I was like, oh my God, like tips. Like I worked at Gregory's for a long, like about a year. That was my first coffee job. And I loved it. Everything about Gregory's was so great. And I learned so much about moving a line fast. I learned so much about keeping employees happy mm -hmm. and just like about teamwork. Mm -hmm. And then I went to another coffee shop in Brooklyn. And I remember 
Okay, so that's the only thing about Gregory's is that like we just didn't make very much in tips. Like that just wasn't the standard for the people who came into the cafe. Yeah. And then I went to this other cafe in Brooklyn and I did a shadow shift with someone. So even bear in mind that shift was normally a solo shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I was shadowing her and she split the tips with me and I got thirty dollars, which oh. was like the amount that I would make in a week. Yeah. And I was like, what? And she's like, oh, <laughs> tips are low. I know because we're splitting them. And I was like. These are low? Oh my God. Like this is $30. <laughs> I was blown away. I was like, this is crazy. How does that, what, I'm rich. Um, so I, I feel like my service was probably better at Gregory's to be oh. totally frank. Yeah. Um, because I like played into that more versus I was at this other cafe and like it was in Brooklyn. It was in like, a much more residential neighborhood. People mm-hmm. weren't necessarily like in a rush in Manhattan in midtown yeah. Manhattan, but maybe like waking up and just kind of hanging out for a little bit, Yeah, maybe going to work, but like not quite yet. Yeah. Um, and the vibe was definitely more laid back. Like it was definitely like a place where you wouldn't be like, Oh my God. Hi. Oh, but definitely okay. more of a like, Oh, Hey, like you live around the corner. Like what's up? Mm-hmm. Um, and I made way more money in tips I made way more tip money there after like in comparison to that first job. Mm-hmm. But then the place that I made the most money variety, I will say, I think it's a hundred percent the customers that would come into variety because we had a lot of people who had worked in service. A lot of people who oh. um, weren't, were, were seem seemingly wealthy enough to live in Brooklyn in Williamsburg, yeah. but not so much that they were living in kind of these like artificial parts of Williamsburg at the time. Okay. Like kind of East Williamsburg. So yeah. like a lot of like still like older apartments, uh-huh. still like not quite the main drag of Williamsburg, mm-hmm. but like just outside of it, but still also like a very expensive neighborhood. Right. Um, not like a, a new apartment complex right on the water. Right. Exactly. It wasn't like that. It was definitely people who had been there for a long time and a little bit of an older crowd who probably moved into that part of Williamsburg before Williamsburg really got crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but still a really desirable neighborhood. Um, and I felt like I definitely didn't turn it on there. I was definitely much more of like, like, Hey, what's Sup? up? <laughs> what's, what's going on? Um, Something that I think maybe also did affect our tips there was we had a lot of more personal connections with people. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people who yeah, come in like every- That's what I'm yeah. talking about. But like very like people who come in every single day. <laughs> yes. Whose like orders we knew or people who like- Yeah. You know, like- Regulars are the best tippers. Oh, of course. 100%. So work in a neighborhood cafe so that you can- Or- Or- Invest in the emotional labor- and deposit. I mean, that's that's what that's what I do. <laughs> but then, what if they never come back? Then you've still like given somebody your like concern and your attention, and you've made them feel valued. No, I don't disagree with that. I think you should still do your job well if you can, regardless of who comes in. And you feel, I think, you feel better. I yeah. feel better as a human being mm-hmm. who is like good to other human beings, mm-hmm. good to the best way that I know how. Not good in some like good customer service like what can i start for you no 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 like true and authentic and and really me right and i think that's well maybe maybe i'm maybe i'm pretty privileged to say that that my true genuine self is received so well is received so well that's that's something that i would like to talk about because 
I'm thinking of you and me who are like pretty clearly extroverts. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if you can tell, but what about people who don't? So this is like the top layer of things versus like the deeper layer. So there's like Mm -hmm. people who are not naturally extroverts, Mm -hmm. people who maybe have to work a little bit harder to show their emotions or feel that they don't want to show their emotions because that's like too personal. So that's like level one of ways in which tipping can be problematic. But then there's also like, I can seem really friendly and like maybe like as a, as a female, like you think I'm flirting with you and that causes something. Or if like, you know, I'm like of a different skin color that might be threatening to you somehow, or I look different. So any response I give you at all is like Mm going to be met with, with, with some sort of resistance. So even if I'm super positive and I'm comfortable in my skin, if I am, you know, like, Maybe like gender nonconforming. Right. And that that's confusing to the customer regardless. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder, I wonder how we kind of contend with tipping with that because th- this is my ideal. I don't think we can get ri- We keep talking about getting rid of tipping in coffee shops, but we don't pay people enough to do that. Like flat out. We just don't. Totally. And there's no way that I can see any coffee shop raising their prices enough to meet the actual amount that tips are. Because you're right. saying 40%. I'm saying 40%. So if we flip those numbers around, if like 60% is what my company pays me, and if I wanted to like make that 100%, they would basically have to, they would have to give me another 40%, which like 40% of 60% is two thirds. So I would have to, I would have to like get a 60% raise. Which is a lot. That's like a ton. That's so much. And the most coffee shops like can't you, do that. If you have... Let's do the math. Like if you are making 12 bucks an hour, then what's um two thirds of, of 12 is um, eight. Yeah. So then you would have to make $20 an hour. Right. And if your tips, they might not even be taxed and then your paycheck would be taxed. Exactly. So you might go from $12 an hour to $20 an hour and still make less if you were to abolish tipping. Exactly. Which, and of course your customers couldn't like your like what is it? Um the business couldn't even handle that unless they raised prices significantly and that would create more emotional labor for you the barista to defend your high prices. Right. <sighs> so that's that's hard because mm-hmm. I do agree that that's pretty much impossible but in an ideal world without the taxing nature of having to explain to people like, oh, we raise prices for like these reasons, I would love to eliminate tipping mm-hmm. because I think people definitely do tip based on sexual preferences, based on yeah. race, based on gender, yeah. based on weight. Their based, own bias. Right, just any biases that can exist and you, we want to eliminate that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, our industry has not yet found a way to offset those costs that we do get from tipping. Yeah. That being said though, like you and I are speaking from again, really like privileged vantages. I wonder, Mm -hmm. and this is a call to our, our listeners. How much are you guys making in tips? Like what percentage of your income is actually tips? Yeah. Because 40% is a lot. People are going to listen to this and be like, what the fuck? Where are they working? I want to work there. San Francisco. The tipping culture here is outrageous. It's, it's the best better. I've ever it's, worked in. Mm, I, New York was better. Really? Mm-hmm. But specifically 
Brooklyn, hmm. not Manhattan. Hmm. Um, when I worked in, I've worked in cafes at different periods of my life in Brooklyn and Manhattan. And every time I've worked in Brooklyn, it's been better. Um, I don't know if that's because people are a little more understanding of what service looks like because they might've worked at it themselves. Yeah. Um, but there was a big disconnect in Manhattan between wealth, like super wealth Mm -hmm. and service. Oh, Okay. So you'd see these super wealthy people walking all around, getting coffee, uh-huh. like living their lives. And of course, like they're the worst tippers. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've never like maybe had to work those jobs or understand yeah. kind of how those wages work. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked, we've talked a lot about tipping, which I think I can kind of talk about forever. But um, <laughs> another thing I want to talk about in this, you know, kind of customer service um, umbrella is how do you deal with problematic customers while still while still trying to make their experience positive. Yeah. So how do you, yeah, how do you handle like a customer who maybe tries to like mansplain something to you, which happens surprisingly a lot in my cafe? Yeah. Um, or how do you handle like a customer who, who's maybe their expectations aren't met by you go, like by them entering your cafe? Maybe mm-hmm. they expected like a caramel macchiato mm-hmm. and you don't have that. So yeah, I think the, the customer who's used to second wave coffee, who comes into a third wave coffee shop, who doesn't quite understand it. I mean, we've all, we've all had to deal with those customers. And honestly, some of it I think is us not really being patient or knowing how to meet them and knowing how to give them what they want, because we've had that conversation so many times. It's like, we don't have a French roast or no, like it's not a blend or, you know, I, no, my macchiato is just this big, <laughs> things like that. But the the biggest, I mean, the biggest thing I always keep coming back to is empathy and attention and like meeting that customer where they're at. So today I did have a challenging customer. Um, it was a whole group of people and they came in um, and they were pretty loud and they were saying that they like drove down from Seattle and they had taken all day yesterday and 101 was delayed and they left at 3 a.m. and got here at 10 p.m. So they were like, had definitely a big day on the road. So the one woman says, do you, and she, she taps the hopper. Do you, um, do you just sell this black roasted coffee or do you have white coffee? Jasper, what's white coffee? So white coffee is coffee that's unground or no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Unroasted. Um, so green coffee, (laughs) uh, but it's called this, it's kind of like gimmicky second wave stores will offer it. And I, when you Google it, you can find it on Amazon and it's always pre-ground because you can't grind it in your grinder because it'll break your burr grinder or whatever grinder you have because green coffee is so much harder, but it's called white coffee and it's supposed to be healthier for you. Um, it's supposed to have higher caffeine because one of the things they write is like, as you roast the coffee, the caffeine like diminishes, which isn't true, but it is something that they wrote. So, and then I also found a couple of coffee shops around Seattle, actually Olympia, um, Washington had a coffee shop. It had, it was showing latte art on their, on their website. And then there was also something that was like, 
ask your barista to throw in some white coffee so you can have a white coffee latte. So I think it's like espresso and then powdered unroasted green coffee. And then you stir it up and you make it and you pour steamed milk on it. So anyway. That sounds yum. (laughs) (laughs) It's also usually Robusta and it's pretty cheap. Um. So she asks, do you have white coffee? She asked me, do you have white coffee? And I've heard of this before and I've heard it's unroasted. And she, she said, oh, you just have black coffee. And so um, the person at the register was like, we have light roasted coffee. And she was like, oh, no, no, you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm from Seattle. Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we don't have white coffee here. So then she goes on to order an Americano and I am making her an Americano and her friend is asking for a macchiato. And um, uh, Liam, our person on register was like, oh, just so you know, our macchiato is like really small. And she was like very concerned and didn't understand. So I pulled out the cup and um, the first lady who had ordered the Americano who asked for white coffee, she was like, oh, that's what I want. That's what I'm getting. I was like, Oh no, you got an Americano. And she said, Oh, I want, I want that. It's, it's just espresso. It's just coffee, right? It's black coffee. I'm like, no, no, it's not black coffee. It's, it's a macchiato. Um, it's just like a little steamed milk. Yeah, I'll have that totally. So I make, I end up making an Americano with steamed soy for one friend, a macchiato for the first lady and a mocha for the lady who asked about a caramel macchiato. So Um, I'm handing them out and this first lady is taking it upon herself to like describe everything around the coffee shop to her friends. And she's like, oh, this is your mocha. And I was like, no, actually, that's an Americano with steamed soy. (laughs) And I handed her her macchiato and it had latte art on it and she loved it. And she started taking pictures and she said, oh, you know, you just can't find coffee with a heart on top of it in Seattle. And I was like, you, you can, have you, have you heard of Slate or, or Cherry Street? And they were like, you sell Cherry Street here? And I was like, no, <laughs> that's not what I said. No, no, it's in, well, how do you know about it? I'm like, because I, I know. Right. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> like it's, I promise. I, do. I promise. Yeah. So, and then, um, they're drinking all their coffee and they're, they're loving it. And I mean, it's sounding like it was a terrible experience, but overall we were handling it pretty well, even though she needed correcting on a couple of things and she's drinking her macchiato and she's like, I love this. I can just drink it black. And I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's not black. It, uh, it has, it has milk in it. She goes, Oh, y- you know what I mean? So I just let her, I just let her have it. So how do you, how do you like handle those situations? Cause it seems like you guys handled it pretty well. By not letting, like, not just agreeing with them, mm-hmm. and but explaining things succinctly and coherently, but without being mm-hmm. condescending. Yeah. Which which is important, but at the same time, like, I wonder if that had been, like, a group of men, would they have been as receptive? Because I feel like that happens a lot, Probably too. Probably not. Because I feel, so, I was in the cafe a couple of days ago, and I we just got this new espresso machine for our cafe. We we have this like ancient lever machine in our cafe, which is great. It's really cute. It's a lot of fun to work on. Was um, it a La Marzocco? No, it's a San Marco. Oh, okay. So we, but you know, like it's a single boiler 
lever machine. It mm-hmm. really can't keep up. And the weekends for us have been really busy. So we switched it for this. We had, we got a spirit. We got a keys Vander Weston and people have asked us a lot of questions about that. like, Oh, you switched the machine. And some people are just like, Oh, this looks really space agey. So like positive other people are like, I really like that old timey machine. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're like, okay, sure. Like mm-hmm. we did too. We still have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people will ask like why we switched them out. And I'll say that like, Oh, the keys can actually keep up with how busy we are mm-hmm. versus the lever machine really couldn't. And I kind of leave it. Oh, my cat just ran by. If you, you heard that, um, my cat is going crazy right now. She won't stop. I know. She's trying to eat some plants right now. Anyway. Cacti. Don't eat the cacti. That will hurt you. I think she's figuring it out. She's like, bring it on. <laughs> anyway, so the, some people will ask us about, about why we search the machines. And if they want to know more, I'll explain to them. But usually I'll leave it with like, oh, this machine can just handle high volume a little bit better, which is true. And this one customer who I have initially have have referenced before um, as being kind of just a creepy person. Um, he's waiting for his drinks he's ordered before. And he's like, well, it's probably because of this, this and that. And I was like, no, like you're saying like all this stuff, this stuff that's wrong. And I feel like that happens a lot where customers are less likely to believe the things that certain people say. So when I talk to Becky at Barista, mm-hmm. um, who is a friend of ours, and she's one of the co-founders of Wink, which we've mentioned a lot here, um, she'll talk about how customers, oh, there goes the cat again. Um, but she'll talk about how customers will ask her male employees about coffee questions or mm-hmm. technical information. And that can make customer service really hard if people don't believe you as the expert that you are. Yeah. Um, especially that happens to me a lot where I get challenged. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes have to be like, excuse me, you're talking to the fourth best barista from the <laughs> Austin <laughs> regional competition. That's right. Number four. Number four. And I kind of, sometimes I like, I, I, I don't tell people like about competition at all unless right. they ask. And every now and then I'll be like, actually, like I, like I promise you, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like I promise I have an idea of like what's <laughs> happening behind this bar. You could um, like win US, you know? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> you could be. I could be. The best U.S. barista. I, mm, there's a very champion. small, small, small chance that that will happen. I mean, it's M- minuscule. It's not as small as you might think. Well, don't don't inflate my ego too much. <laughs> You're well, gonna do do great. I hope so. I let's hope. Anyway, so back on track though. Is that like if you get famous, I'll get famous. You will. That's true. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll bring you with me. <laughs> Riding coattails. <laughs> All the way up. <laughs> All the way. Do you do you remember that episode of Parks and Recreation where he's like Everyone. behind? <laughs> yeah, behind. It's like behind every like successful person is me riding coattails and taking partial credit. Yes, <laughs> you can be the Aziz in the situation. <laughs> um, anyway. I'm Leslie. No, let's not kid ourselves here. It's, oh, but then <laughs> that's true. I'm Ben Wyatt. Let's face you that. are. <laughs> I'm definitely Ben. Aww. I'm like the person who's gonna invent some like horrible, weird. <laughs> Like reality, like cones like of Dunshire. Dun- <laughs> the cones of Dunshire. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, back to it. So, I just there's, ah, 
But there's that's happened to me a lot where people assume that like I don't know as much as they do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will say that, especially when they order a pour over. They're like, actually, I do it this way. And I'm like, that's great. Like, it's great that you like to experiment. They're like, well, this way is correct, according to like so and so. And I'm like, okay. There's no one way to make it through 60. There's no one way to do anything. But also, like, I promise you that the things I do have reasons, too. Yeah. And you can ask me, and I'm way happy to tell you, like, I'm pouring this way to do this. Or I ground it this fine to do that. Yeah. But I feel like I have to prove myself to customers sometimes, which is really confusing. Mm -hmm. Because I don't feel that way in, like, other parts of my coffee life. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that makes, for me, that makes customer service a little bit difficult knowing that I could be challenged on like a way that something is done or what, what I actually know. I think I don't, I don't take it very personally. Mm -hmm. If somebody has bad information and if they choose to share it i think a lot of the times maybe they're coming off in this like i know more than you but honestly i think that the reason that they're telling a professional barista is to like learn more and they just maybe are too prideful to be like what is this thing that i've heard about so they'll just say like oh the boiler is probably this way because of this but but what i'm saying is that it's only men who do this to me Hmm. i've never been like schooled by a woman no no. I have been. Tell me more. Um, I've been... Well, this one time, this one woman wanted to hang these flyers in the window. And I said, no, you can't. Like, no flyers allowed. I'm sorry. And she was really upset. And she was like, you know this uh they were like political flyers and i don't remember if it was during the general or the primaries but it was either pro bernie or pro hillary and it was like a rally for it 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 definitely wasn't something that we could like put up in the store um and she was like i i think it i don't remember which one it was but anyway she started saying that um that I was part of the problem and that young people like me who weren't paying attention, like needed to get more involved. And like, she was doing me a favor by trying to tell me something, which is extremely presumptuous that she doesn't know. Oh, oh my God. So I know to say that to you, to say that to me. Oh, that's so frustrating. Fuck up. You don't know nothing about Instagram activism. (laughs) Um, and other things. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've definitely, it's usually like an older woman who's trying to, um, who is disapproving of like what you're doing. Or well, that's another dynamic is old versus young yeah. in, in kind of both ways sometimes mm-hmm. too. Like that article that we were referencing in the beginning says that tipping is disadvantage, disadvantages very young people and also yeah. older people. Yeah. So like there's that it like middle weird. perfect age that you can be. But I've also noticed like maybe I'm looking like, like I look like a young, but not too young creative person and someone who's not even that much older than me, like five or 10 years older than me, who is more like straight laced or even like more professional or like has a nine to five job with high stress and a lot of benefits sort of thing. There can be like a little bit of judgment. Like when are you going to get serious about your life? Right. Exactly. So I, I definitely don't think it's only 
men but i do think that it's it is they are like part of it too i think it's Um, specifically when i have an issue with coffee that that happens okay like no woman has ever asked me a question about the way i'm brewing something and then questioned my knowledge of that thing Mm, mm -hmm. if that makes sense i think ultimately what i've kind of come up with while while we're recording this is that this is going to be something we have to revisit a lot yeah because i feel like we got we got not sidetracked because the tipping conversation was really good, but like we went there a lot. Mm-hmm. We talked about how looking different affects tips, but mm-hmm. that we don't have an answer, which is fair. We asked yeah. people to tell us about their tips, which I'm really interested in. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about like, I think we had a good debate about like how much emotional labor to put out. Yeah. And I thought that was really good, but I think there's still like so much of like, what do employers owe their baristas? Like, yeah. Cause I feel like something that I wanted to talk about is that like every employer that I've had has like lied about how much tipping tips you actually get. Oh, like the idea of like, Oh, you well, you know, it's, it's only 12 hours, dollars an hour, but it's like 60 to 70 in tips. And you're like, is it really? Is it really? <laughs> it's like on your best day. Yeah. On a um, Saturday and Friday morning. Right. So to, um, to wrap up the, the customers, like how to deal with difficult customers. I think when, when it's a group of people and one person is kind of like showing off or being like, oh, here's how it's done. Or this is what I know. They're kind of like trying to flex their, that they're like a real coffee snob or something, which is unnecessary, but people do it anyway. Um, that is when I take the time to interject. But if it's just one person who is trying to like show me that they know what they know about, um, then I'm more likely to be like, how, like, how do, how am I feeling? Like, are they, are they off putting and mansplaining? Like then I'll just shut it down and not inter- engaged or I'll just like call them out and be like, Oh, like, no, I've never seen that before. Yeah, that that was that's an outdated technique now. <laughs> oh, I like that one. I've used that one before. Like, yeah, no one actually does that mm-hmm. really that much in specialty coffee mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, that was popular in the nineties. <laughs> oh, cute! <laughs> that's so cute that you're still into that. Oh, <laughs> no, I would. I mean, I want to say that, but that's something that I. That's a tactic I've used too. We're like, oh, you don't really see that in most cafes, like in like you know, 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much to this conversation about customer service. Like there, I came into this discussion wanting to talk about so many things and we talked about a lot of good stuff, but then like I have all these other ideas about like, how do you deal with like, how do you make like a bad customer service interaction positive? Mm-hmm. Or what do you do with a customer who's combative? Mm-hmm. Or how do you, you know, deal with someone who, because this happens a lot in cafes, like only wants to talk to like one barista. Oh, you know yeah, that idea. Like hard. I want Jasper to make my coffee, oh my and you're God. like, oh, it happens too much, right? And that's like not okay. No, um, but I think this means that this is just going to be a conversation that we continue to have on this podcast because customer service is probably the biggest for me question in coffee that we haven't really figured out how to deal with. Yeah, it's like the reason for burnout. Right. I agree. And it's something that I need to constantly like recharge myself on. And I need to remind, I need to have good customer service interactions to remind myself like I can do this too Mm -hmm. because I get burned out really fast. Yeah. And we need to talk more about race and gender because that like that impacts 
other people more than it impacts us. Right. And in a huge way, like in a day to day way, in the same way that we talk about men being creepy and flirty with us, there's probably just as many people who are like, oh, like I don't have that interaction, but everyone is aggressive and mistrusting of me or, you know, something like that. Right. And I think something that I'd be interested in learning about is customer service in rural areas. Oh, rural areas? And customer services in politically divisive areas. I would hate to be in Pennsylvania serving coffee. Or Michigan. Or or Michigan. (laughs) Or even somewhere that's really red and you're in like a blue town. (laughs) Like if you're in Austin, for example. Or Or Virginia. Or Virginia. Or if you're in North Carolina. Uh Where you probably have to engage with a lot of people who do not feel the same politically as you do. But you have to engage like you know with that whole fundraiser that Sprudge did with the ACLU and how Mm -hmm. so many coffee shops participated Mm -hmm. something that I something I do want to talk about is the coffee shops that didn't participate because if they had announced that they were doing that they were they were claiming that we would have lost our customers yeah and that was that's something that I was like oh my god I didn't even think about that you could see it like I was going on online a lot and looking at the comments on Instagram and Facebook when companies would post and it was hit or miss. Some people were more support and some people were more unsupportive. Right. Like, oh, it's good to know my coffee shop mixes with politics, like keep politics out of coffee, those sorts of Right. Like people, we, we joined it kind of late and some people were like, you haven't done this yet. And I was like, oh my gosh. But that's because I'm in Oakland, California, um, where there is a lot of political agreement on one yeah. end but mm-hmm. like if i was in rural texas mm-hmm. like i couldn't do that yeah and it doesn't mean that i'm like more or less like not in the coffee community totally so i wonder totally. and then so i wonder how you deal with those customer like service rural interactions california anywhere yeah, yeah anywhere anywhere can be divisive so i think this is a conversation i definitely want to have again maybe we can bring in some emails and questions that people have yeah um and experiences because jasper and i have very city-centered, I would say, experiences and very white experiences. Mm -hmm. So if you are someone who inhabits a different identity than us, please let us know how you think about customer service. If you live somewhere different, please let us know. (gasps) Okay. I want to put a call out there. If you are a Muslim woman who wears a hijab behind the bar, I want to hear your stories. I don't, I've never heard. I've never heard a story about that. Me neither. Yeah. I hope I hope that we can reach someone. If you yeah. know someone, please refer them yeah. to us. Just like write us an email and tell us what it's like for you behind the bar. I'd love to hear more. If you just anyone, you should be able yeah. to freely express all of your experiences behind the bar. We're here yeah. to listen to you and we're here to empathize with you because we do the emotional labor. That's what we're here for. <laughs> um But thank you for listening to this episode of Boss Barista about customer service. This is a topic we're definitely going to revisit. So email us at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. We love you. Bye. Bye.